We always knew a podcast was an upwards future. Some of the best and most stimulating conversation we've had has been with our very own upward citizens as kind of off the cuff, out of the box, drive by dialogue. And, you know, we exist as a space where diverse perspectives can come together to breed originality, knowing that the greatest takeaway from that is a more established and deeper personal and professional relationship. We thought we'd explore some interesting topics of our own in a format that encourages organic and elevated conversation and connections between participants and listeners alike. So why not put our own stamp on a podcast? Welcome. You're listening to Upward Hartford's podcast, Word Up. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Ojala Naim, who's the Director of Innovation at Travelers, and Jevin Gibb, Director of Research and Economic Development at Metro Hartford Alliance. Our co-host today, Carla Danza, the Event Sales Manager at Upward. Welcome to the show, everybody. Yeah, Thanks welcome. for having us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You know, first of all, I'm, I'm really excited to have two people on the show who are you know, passionate about Hartford and specifically its economic development and the success of our city's entrepreneurs and our corporate anchors. So looking forward to the discussion today. Ojala, so Travelers, as you know, is one of Upward's major corporate partners. And people from the various Travelers divisions often use our space and we love it. We love seeing them and we obviously miss them right now. We're really privileged at Upward to be surrounded by many entrepreneurs and innovators across so many different industries. And I've learned that these folks truly are cut from a different cloth and perhaps they're born with the conviction to change the world one idea at a time. You know, I think of our CEO, Shauna, and some of the childhood stories she's shared with us. And clearly, it's it's always been a way of life for her. So, Jala, tell us, were you the most innovative of all your friends? And what was the most innovative thing you did as a child? I mean, did you have a lemonade stand that had a secret recipe? Did you squeeze your own lemons? Did you offer gluten-free products? You know, were you so ahead of your time or something even more elaborate? pretty funny. I, I got super into kind of computers and technologies very early on when I was probably in first, second grade and computers were just beginning to become like a mainstream household thing. And eventually I grew super savvy and I'm enough to the point where by the time I was in fourth, fifth grade, I was going to my teachers to say, Hey, I think you're doing a thing wrong. Here's how you can do it better. And it was always hilarious because at first they would just get really annoyed. Like, who is this seven, eight, nine-year-old? Like trying to tell me that I need to do my job better. And I learned that there's different ways to phrase things and approach those types of situations. But again, it was always about how do we identify the problems that exist, small or big? It could be as easy as, you know what? I want to make my way of getting to school easier and faster. Or, hey, I really want to figure out how to, you know, solve this problem of cancer when I grow up. So it was just, my mind was always racing to figure out how do we solve problems? How do we make life easier? How do we do things better? And I think that has kind of continued with me throughout my career. I, I did spend some time in New York City. I did my undergrad at Fordham University and I worked there after I graduated in the, in the legal realm. I was pre-law and thought law school was something that I really wanted to do and I started working in the legal sector and absolutely hated it. Like didn't want to sit behind a desk, didn't want to you know push paper. I wanted to solve real problems and make an impact. And I happened upon come across Reset, which is a social enterprise incubator and accelerator here in Hartford that had gotten off the ground. I want to say around 2011. 
and started talking to them, really got excited about the crossover potential between the public sector and the private sector. You know, how do we use business as a force for good? How do we solve problems that exist in the social sector, but do it in a way where it's creating economic prosperity and it's actually adding value and money into the world that we live in? And that's really how I got kickstarted. It was an awesome, I was there for about seven years and had an awesome time kind of seeing the ecosystem grow, develop, build up. And then last year, I made the move to Travelers. I, I joke around that I, I sold my soul to the dark side, but I did it. <laughs> Travelers is actually really awesome. And I, I really wanted the challenge of how does innovation work in a larger, very older corporation that I'm sure before coming into it, I knew would have a lot of complexities, a lot of older systems, a lot of way of doing things that need to change as the times change and as, as technology changes. And so now I'm here and, and looking at, you know, what are the challenges that we have within the work that we do and how we serve our customers and how can we do it better and how can we solve those problems? Hmm. Wow. Wow. Thank you Great. for that. I don't want to date myself too much here, but when I was in school, we had a floppy drive and we played Oregon Trail. Did you have any yeah. games uh, that you'd like to play? Oh, Oregon Trail was awesome. So I, I actually, we had a special center in the in the library that had the computers of the Oregon Trail, and I'd try to sneak in during lunchtime as often as I could. That was an awesome game. And then from there, I think my video game obsession definitely grew. I'm, I'm secretly a big avid fan of video games and still play to the day. So, you know, it, it makes your mind work in different ways. When you get to the River and Oregon Trail, how do you go through? No, you know, I'll be quite honest. I think it's probably been over 25 years since I played it, so I can't really answer that. I'll have to I'll have to think back and get back to you on that one. Yeah, I didn't make it that far in the game. I think I got dysentery and, and died. Uh, so, Jevin, I got a question for you. You know, I moved here uh, from Massachusetts. I knew nothing of Connecticut almost a year ago now. And Metro Hartford Alliance was a great just content feeder for me to learn about Connecticut, learn about Hartford. And it's awesome what is going on in Hartford. I had no idea how much innovation was here. It's awesome to be at the forefront of it. It's awesome to be at Upward Hartford. Uh, we found that you were in the U.S. Navy. And thank you for your service, by the way. And of all the places you've traveled to, do you have a favorite or is there a favorite food? Oh, actually, let me combine that. I was about to say Prague because Prague is like a second home. I did my first study abroad there and I still have family there that I love and love to talk with and love to go visit. But let's go Hong Kong because Hong Kong is also some of the best food I've ever had. You know, there are amazing restaurants on the street or right next to the street serving great food from around the world. But, you know, I love the density. I love the activity. I love the amount of business that flows through this beautiful city that has changed so much over time. It's a great spot. And is there a preferred dish or any street meats you'd recommend? Man, breakfast dim sum. There are some amazing dim sum places there. And I think it's a cool experience because if you go into some of the more authentic ones, it's all Cantonese. So you're completely taken out of your element. And I remember just kind of being a young kid, seeing the carts go around. And I kind of learned in Cantonese how to say, yes, that one, please. <laughs> and I just run around pointing at as much stuff as possible. It was delicious and amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. I've I've been there as well, Jevin, a couple of times, and it is it's it's beautiful, and the food is is really fantastic. Our team has done a great deal of research, coming up with words to spark conversation, 
and go where no conversation has gone before. Without further ado, the word of the day is controversy. Oh, that's a good one. Awesome. Mm, juicy. So I think controversy can be the word in itself, you know, always feels like this really negative word, but I don't know. I think it can be, it has positive elements of it too, right? Anytime there's controversy, it means there is a debate. There, there is um, arguments or discussion or conversation around a thing. That thing could be as small as was that dress gold and or was that dress blue? If you guys remember the the, the sequin dress thing, yeah, I that remember caused that. a lot of controversy, right? But then mm-hmm. it leads to us thinking about what are different perspectives and why are there different perspectives? And I think it leads us to understand individuals, understand how you know human behaviors work, understand how our brains work, and understand where people are coming from. To me, controversy, I, I love controversy. Having controversy could be a good thing so long as it's not being blown incredibly out of proportion or being taken into ways that are inappropriate, disrespectful, or causing harm. Mm. Ojala, oh, I liked how you went to the connotation there because for me, my brain went to the same place first. Is it positive or negative? And I immediately thought, you know, disagreement is good, but controversy is bad because it's that prolonged disagreement that can be unhealthy and toxic. But then I spent a while thinking about it and I thought, you know, maybe controversy is necessary for a more substantial issue. You can have disagreement about something tactical at work or, you know, in life and it should happen and you should disagree and have a healthy discussion and you're done. But if it's something substantial, maybe you need to disagree for a long time to figure out who's right or not necessarily who's right or who's wrong, but to work through the issue. You're not gonna do it quick. And that kind of prolonged, maybe heated debate is a good thing and a necessary thing. Yeah, I think it helps us uncover not the right or the wrong, but the why, right? Like the why behind whatever that controversial topic is. If I could just ask something, just to touch base on what both of you are speaking to. Um, History has shown that the strongest and most influential leaders uh, of time have been those who reveled in controversy. In your opinion, is controversy a critical component in the formula for success? You know, controversy leads to disruption, which leads to change. Every successful person that's come to mind right now has dealt with their own controversial obstacles. I think, you know, for leaders, it's the ability to create a narrative that provides resolution to a controversy, you know, and it's the ability to kind of create a consensus out of chaos. And it doesn't necessarily need to be Winston Churchill going into World War II. It can be, whether you agree with her or not, Maggie Thatcher going into British politics in the 80s. And it was the controversy over socialism versus capitalism she was able to provide a narrative that created consensus out of controversy and her ability to build a network that supported that narrative was what really brought her to power in British politics. That's a very good subject. And likewise, you know, if we're talking about business, I mean, some of the most memorable advertising campaigns are the ones that spark controversy, Mm -hmm. right? Controversy Mm -hmm. with a purpose, especially if it's an ethical one, 
is valuable as opposed to what it's not that constructive, but when it's used constructively, it can be very effective. So do you guys think there's an argument for businesses to use controversy in, in their marketing or business promotion, knowing it can either build a brand or it can shatter it? And if so, like, how do you make sure it becomes the success story and not the latter? It doesn't destroy it. I think it really depends on the business, right? And and what the, the business's brand stands for. So if it's an existing business that has a brand that, you know, really resonates with customers for being more, let's look at travelers, right? Mm-hmm. We offer security. We offer peace of mind. We, we think about legacy of maybe an individual or their business. We think about things that really tie into the core of an individual, right? We're not going to want controversy because that's not aligned with our brand necessarily. But then you look at, you know, a lot of new up and coming startups that are competing in a really crowded field, right? Pick any industry you want. They need to set themselves aside and sometimes they use controversy as a way to do it. And that might work, but then that's their brand, right? They're going to be known as that controversial brand it's really hard to go from one to the other and then back because it'll stick with the the audience that you're serving. It'll also help define the audience that you're serving. And so I always think that the controversy that's usually tied to the, the marketing elements of things needs to come after you've really identified and, and distinguished who your target audience is, right? What is the value you're bringing to that audience and how do you want them to perceive you and in, in your brand? I think getting to both of your points, Carla, when you were talking about marketing and advertising, Apple came to mind and I'm thinking of their 1984 ad or their think different ads, Mm. you know, when they were in the early stages and they wanted to be controversial. But then Ojala, you talked about kind of labeling yourself. And the next one I thought of was Paris Hilton eating a hamburger on the hood of a car for Carl's Jr. I don't think you recover well from that one. So what kind of controversy do you want to embrace and what does that do for your brand? But I like to how you're talking about the lifespan of a company where when you're the disruptor, you want to be controversial. And then as you move to the you know, later stages of the business cycle, that controversy doesn't work with a lot of companies, you know, business plans. Yep. I think it's also important to differentiate between controversy and pushing back, right? Controversy is usually when there's a lot of noise made around something. It's not the same as when you're putting something out there that's challenging the norm. I don't think that those two are always the same. And so a lot of brands, a lot of businesses, I think will challenge the norm these days and say, this is something that we should think of differently, or we should frame it differently, or we're going to present it to you differently doesn't mean that it needs to be controversial. I think a lot of times controversy is usually also a result of scale. Once there's a mass amount of people talking about a thing, that's when it's becoming controversial. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You know, we live in a a cancel culture. Someone does something you don't like, I'm done. I unsubscribe. Do you think companies are cautious, especially larger brands? Are they very cautious to be controversial? They just want to, everybody like us, buy our stuff. We we don't want to be that bold. And is there any benefit in being that bold? I think that big companies, they're always towing the line. They're always trying to see what what can we push to kind of get a little bit of a spin on things. You know, how, how can we make ourselves seem different? How can we take a stance on something that people might not be super comfortable with? I think 
you know, when I look at the last 20 years or so, you had the 2000s, which were very politically correct. You want to be careful about the statements you're making and the impacts that they can have and how you're taking a stance on may they be political issues or civil issues. And then I think now people are much more vocal because I think they are really making a decision on what they believe in and, and sticking up for it, right? We're seeing a lot happening right now in our world around civil rights, around the controversies that are popping up in that realm. And we see a lot of companies or brands or personal brands making a stand for it. You take a look at Colin Kaepernick, right? Mm. Taking a knee. He got a lot of challenges for it. And then his football career is pretty much non-existent now. So there are negative sort of side effects of taking that stance and being controversial. But I like to think that he's made positive impacts, not just for the, the broader world and his community, but for himself too in different ways. So it, it is, you know, anytime there's controversy involved, there's, there's a give and take. Well, Jala, how much do you think that the kind of status quo has changed where you talked about kind of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, companies didn't take stances on social issues and now it's almost expected that a large company should. It's almost controversial to not take a stance where, you know, when Paul Pullman with Unilever starts saying, taking on social issues, that was a little, it was a little dangerous for them, but now it's almost more dangerous to do nothing. Do you yep. think that's just changed completely? And you could say the same for oil companies, right? You look at BP, BP has been doing a lot of things in the kind of, environmental sustainability realm. And they've had to because every single person is buying gas if they have a car. A lot of people are beginning to become conscious of, oh, should I go hybrid? Should I go electric? You know, should I really think about how this is impacting things? Or if you want to differentiate yourself in the market, you know, BP versus another brand that's not doing anything for environmental sustainability, I might say, you know what? Like, yeah, it sucks that I'm buying into this because I have to and I'm getting gas. But at least I'm doing, I'm supporting a company that's going to, you know, go the extra mile to try to offset the, the negative effects or negative consequences of their business. With many people thinking of controversial issues, they most likely think of politics or religion, but obviously there are many, many more topics, animal rights, gun control, homeschooling, medical marijuana, health insurance. Do you think there are some controversial issues that should be taught in school? And, and if so, how early is too early? What school? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask that question. Define schooling, especially right now. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> to me, and I, I don't have kids, but I've got a younger sister. She's 14. And so I'm seeing her go through, you know, middle school, high school in this world of everything is at your fingertips and you're spending more time taking in content than individuals were maybe two decades, three decades ago. And so you're getting exposed to all of this stuff, regardless of if it's being taught in school or not, at a very young age. And you're allowing that exposure to formulate your opinions. You know, I think the one thing about schooling, when things like this do come up, there's the ability to create a safe space for dialogue and conversation so that people can, one, understand things better and, and two, potentially be able to fact check things, right? Yeah, you know, it seems like, schools are typically pretty conservative in how long they wait to teach something. You kind of need consensus around a topic before you get it into K through 12. But on the flip side, if we're teaching people how to learn 
and I think Ojala, your point was hitting on this. If you can teach kids how to deal with controversy and getting back to kind of early in our conversation, how to get to the why rather than the what, that's a huge skill. So while you might not want to try to teach kids that one side of the controversy or another is correct, if you can help them effectively deal with controversy and healthy disagreement, you know, that's a huge skill to give people as soon as they're kind of mentally or emotionally ready to do that. I think that's a great point. You know, it, it reminds me of some of the kind of critical thinking and critical reasoning skills that have been brought into curriculum. The challenge there is, is what, what would you say is the right time for that? How do you decide that a child or a student, a teenager, whatever age you think is right, is ready to be able to build those critical thinking capabilities, or are there ways that we do it right off the get-go since they're, you know, toddlers? I love this. You guys have certainly have me thinking about the ways that we view this, but I think we all agree that controversy makes things more interesting to talk about, right? It's, it's boring if everyone has exactly the same opinion. So sure, a little bit of dispute keeps discussion stimulating. At the same time, we realize that it can generate comfort would you rather get into a deep discussion on a controversial topic with with friends and family or a group of strangers? Ooh. <laughs> I've been waiting for this question mm. for my favorite one. Obviously, it's, it's sometimes more comfortable to do it with family and friends because you know their limits and you know how much you can push them or you don't care because at the end of the day, it's your family and like what's the worst that happens versus with mm -hmm. strangers. You know, you, you want to be careful about what you're putting out there. You don't want to hurt someone's feelings too much. If you say something that might be, you know, that they might take as offensive or going against their beliefs or their thoughts. I think you do it in different or varying extremes. I love doing it across the board. Mm. <laughs> you know, getting to kind of the empathy issue again, if disagreement really involves the why, it's kind of the amount of pain or the amount of personal attachment to that why. Because there's some controversies for like friends and family where the why or the pain is a little too, uh, a little too real to have a healthy conversation. Whereas sometimes with strangers, it's not real enough. That connection isn't real enough for them to understand where you come from or your why as well as your family does. You know, your family knows you. So it's so easy to deal with some controversy with family and with friends. But sometimes there's pain around it. It makes it hard, you know, for friends or family to talk about the controversial issues. Mm -hmm. And there might be more judging than if you just struck up a conversation with somebody at a bar and really didn't care about what their, their opinion was of you. Right, but they're not gonna know as much about you to really get that kind of depth of conversation that is so cool with the true, people true. you love. Yeah, well said. Absolutely, and I, I gotta reference one of our, our past uh, guests, Henry Edinger. His whole thing was, you know, are we in listening mode or problem solving mode? If we're having a discussion or having a, you know, a heated debate, because if I'm in listening mode, great, I'm gonna listen. <laughs> and that's what I'm gonna do versus problem solving. Of course, you know, I'm gonna offer my opinion and offer my solution to the problem. And it's tough with, you know, my mom will post some stuff on Facebook and I immediately want to be like, oh my God, <laughs> ah, why do you believe that that's wrong? But, you know, seeing her in person, 
I don't want to ruin the relationship I have with my mom. I love my mom. And if there's a way I can do that off of Facebook and we can talk to each other and it's not, you know, a, a brawl. <laughs> I think building bridges versus walls is great. Yeah, and for the record, I'd like to say that all my friends and family are perfect. <laughs> completely reasonable. I really can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart. And, and I'm sure Carlos, thank you. Yeah, so thank you as well. This was, was really enjoyable. No problem. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I, uh, like I said, I love having conversations, discussions about all sorts of things. So this is great. Yeah, thank you all. And word up. Word up. Word up. Word up. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Upward Hartford's podcast, Word Up. <laughs>